time for Aunties get in your business. 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 Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Full entire business. Please, Miss Lady, introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Okay, hi guys, my name is Yotunde Oduwale. I'm an actress. I'm a beauty and fashion blogger. I live in London. I'm a mommy. Um, what else do I do? Yeah, about it. It's very simple. Actress, beauty, fashion, mommy. I like to. I like fashion. I like clothes. I've been an actor now for 16 years. I do a show called Media Banjos. I play Gladys and Media Banjos. I'm also in a show at the moment called You Don't Know Me. I play a baby and you don't know me. I've been in the first team. I've been in Enterprise. I've been in Babylon. Ah, yeah. good. I've done yeah. a few jobs in my time. A, a, a lot, a lot of jobs. A lot of jobs. And play Nigerian mothers. Oh, everybody. <laughs> Nigerian mother, single mother, play nurses. Y'all, I'm tired. I want to play a doctor. The next one, I'll play a lawyer. I want to play a cop. You can do it. You can do a good look. You going on to law. So you you started off studying law and then diverted. I did. I actually have a law degree. I went to Middlesex University. I studied law. You actually have a degree. I have a law degree. I have a law degree. But then when I finished my degree, I decided, y'all, this is too much stress. I want to be an actor, darling. And I guess one of the reasons why I did law is because I like to argue. I would look for facts. I would just, you know, break it down. (laughs) And it's just who I am. I've always been somebody that liked to, I talk, as you can hear, I I like to talk. I, I can talk, you know, I've got the gift of the gab. But I've always known that I wanted to be an actor. I like to make people laugh, and that's my biggest thing. I enjoy making people laugh, friends and stuff. So I just told my parents, like, well, after this degree is finished, I'm going somewhere else. I went to Goldsmith College. I did a performance skills in acting. Then I did, um, I also did a foundation in music. I did a, a diploma in acting, musical theater, the City Lit. I did a musical theater the master's at the Central Speech, Central School of Speech and Drama. Then wow. I went to America. I went to New York. I went to Salada, New York. So I studied Shakespeare in New York uh, in 2006. So that school is where Marlon Brando went to study. Salma Hayek, Robert De Niro, Philip Seymour Hoffman used to teach there. And he also went wow. there as well. So, yeah. So I've been around the block. So acting-wise, I've been doing it for, for 16 years. Um, yeah. Wow. So you so, mentioned yeah. Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. Um what because we did an interview uh, in 2020 with some former students, and it was it is one of our biggest watched videos on the British Blacklist, guys. You can check it out. Um, but they speaking about their negative experiences as black. Students. It was it was it was not a good. I'm not going to lie to you. So that's what I was going to say. Like, what was your experience like? Considering oh. the elite, the elite UK drama schools have always been criticised for not being I- safe spaces and for the overt race for the overt racism, the lack of black literature and plays on the curriculum. Hundred percent. They were they got zero from me as far as I'm concerned. Wow. I feel as if that at one stage they were only they only cared about money. They started making all kinds of courses. I I studied musical acting, musical theatre. We barely had learned anything. The only person we had that really saved us was Claudia Williams, um, who's an amazing. Uh, she's actually I think head of acting at the moment now. Her daughter is um, one of the casting directors. Actually, casted me twice. She did. I, so I've also been in a show called Youngers. Enterprise, so yeah. she's cost me to show him base. So they've cost me a couple of times in stuff that I did. But I will be honest with you, Central School of Speech and Drama. I don't know if they've changed right now, but then it wasn't. I know friends who were traumatized by the experience that they had there. 
people like Nonso, Anonzi, he went to Central. I mean, he's done come out very well. Not to say that I've got, I've had actor friends who've done really well from going to the school and coming out, but the bare racism, the fact that they just didn't know, they didn't have it. To be fair, I mean, out of maybe thirty students, they had four black students, and it's only you know, they, you know, a lot of people just it was just not. Ugh. My dear, it was, mm -mm, that's all I can say. I don't know if they've changed now, but it was a very, and this was 2006, bearing in mind, I went to I went to Central, 2005, 2006, and I had issues with the then head of act, acting there. He was, you know, I wouldn't even call it was, and I didn't fit in. I was much more older. I mean, I'm 47 this year. I was much more older than everybody. I was 10 years older than everybody in the class. And maybe because I was, I already knew who I was. I was mature. So I knew what I was looking for. I went there to, to learn to be an yeah. actor. Because for me personally, I think one of the biggest things about me is I've always chased perfection when it comes to my craft. I want to learn. I'm not here to, you know, I'm not here to just do, just collect the script and just do it and go, I want to be able to understand what I'm doing. And that's what I was looking for. And I didn't get that from Central. And that's when I ended up going to America. I went to, to, uh, to study Shakespeare in New York. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. That three months or four months that I stayed in America, I learned more about acting than I did in that one year in Central School of Speech and Drama. They wow. used to call it Central School of Speech and Trauma. It was a very traumatic experience for me. I felt out of wow. place. I felt that at that time, there was a lot of things that happened that could have been handled better. Even by my, me as a person, I'm not gonna stand here or sit here and, and blame everybody. I'm not a narcissist. I think I also had faults while I was in the school as well. But I realized that the place was just not the right place for me. As much as the name was going to, I thought the name was gonna open doors, go to central. It didn't do shit for me. Sorry for using bad language. It didn't do sweets, F and A. You know, so sorry, you know, but I know that, that, I mean, a lot of us who went, who did that course, many of us left, stopped acting. I'm, I can count five people who are still acting after doing that. 31 of us, other 31 of us, maybe wow. a few people are still acting because it was not, it just was terrible. I mean, there was only two black people on the course at that time, myself and another girl called Nana Ajay, what's her name? Ampofo, what's her last name? She's, yeah, she was in, um, she was in, uh, what's that show? She's a really good actress, really quite strong, beautiful actor. Um, she was in, um, oh God, something, oh, I don't mind, I forgot the name of it. She's done a couple of shows. She did uh, Carolina Change at the National Theatre. Oh, okay, Theater. okay, I think I know She's also me. done, she did um, a show with uh, Omar. I'm trying to remember, she even did Enterprise with me, but me and her were not, because sometimes you do, do a show, you're both in the show, but you never get to see each other. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They did the rap party, they didn't, you know, she didn't kind of come for the rap party that day. But, you know, myself and Nana were the only people in the, in the course. And I felt that there was not enough diversity. It was so terrible. The diversity was terrible. The racism, the prejudice, even against girls who are a bit bigger. So, I mean, the, one of the directors told, I remember the, the lead, the, whatchamacallit, lead um, teacher said to one girl, you never amount to anything. I don't know why you're on this course. You can never sing. You can, nobody's ever going to hire you. And this girl today is making money. She lived in Italy for six years. She now lives in Hamburg. And she's doing really well as a musician. I, one of the reasons I stopped singing, if people don't realize, I actually sing. I stopped singing because of Central. Because like the trauma when I came out of that place, I thought, you know what, fuck this. Situation. I'm not even wasting my time anymore. Mm. So I focus more on acting. And, you know, maybe it was to, uh -huh. you know, I don't know. It was just... That's I mean, so I need, I, after I that school, I needed therapy. That's what I'm going to say. Listen, I mean, and the fact that that was 2006 and we had the conversation in 2020 
um, one of the girls, the ex-student contacted me and just said, look, we need to talk about this. It's serious. Really? Six of them. And there was, there is, it's a very emotional, I've put the link in there. It's a very emotional conversation. Um, and yes, it's not surprising, but there, there has been a conversation about, it did get into the conversation and say, look, they're going to change their curriculum, the, 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 the makeup of their It staff. was, it was not even the curriculum. It was the genesis of, yeah. you guys don't, are living in la la land. You are living in a bubble. Yes, I, yes. I don't live too far from Central. Central is literally 20 minutes walk from my house. They're living in a bubble. They are so, you know, up the wazoo that they don't realize that black people exist. Asian yeah. people exist. Other people apart from white people exist. And you need to realize that the culture, life itself, your, your course, your school is not depicting what England is or British culture is. It was just... Mm -mm. You know, anyway, that's another story. Oh, fair. And then thank you for sharing that. And um, yeah. oh, no, no, like I told you, I needed therapy when I lived that, left that school. I needed therapy. I needed to basically put myself when I one of the reasons why I went to America when I finished that course was just I felt deflect the de, de, depleted, oh, deflated depleted. and depleted both oh. of the words. I felt I was very confident with who I was as an actor. By the time I left Central, I was second guessing myself left, right, and center. And it took me a long time to get my confidence back. Bearing in mind, I was 31 years old when I went to Central. 31. 30 or 31. That's 17 years ago. Give or take or whatever. But when I left that school, mm -mm, it took me years to rebuild my... That's how messed up that place messed me up. Mentally. Wow. And this is talking from me, who is a strong person. I'm a pretty clued up person with what I need to say. And that school messed me up. It took me years to get over it. I second guessed who I was. I doubted myself as an actor. I doubted myself as a person. It was terrible. Wow. You know, but but I don't want to lift. I want to lift up the spirits. Let's go back, hey, Joel. No, okay. Well, <laughs> I was going to say as my sub question, um, because you you have been through a number of institutions for studying the craft. So just as a acting, you know, can anybody act? So is acting something that you feel that like you need to study deeply? Or is it getting the guidelines from different perspectives? Why? I mean, like you kind of give an insight that because of your traumatic experience, you went to America, and that was obviously readdressing what you'd been brainwashed about in, in in your bad experience. However, generally, from your experience and looking back as an actor, is it something you have to study? Can you? Do you have to go to school? Oh, 100%. I think that um, a mechanic is not going to be able to pick up a, a tool and start fiddling with, with Kinney. If you, there are the basis of acting, but if you truly want to go to a place of Oscar, Golden Globe, yes, there are people who are naturally born actors. I'm not going to lie. There are people who are, but once you hone in your craft and you perfect it to another level, it becomes easier. The scripts become easier because what people don't realize is, when you get a script, you want to read it. You have to read it at least one or two, three times. When I get a script, I read it. You, sometimes I am not given anything. They just want you to abracadabra it. And I'm, I'm sitting thinking, you are, this is such lazy writing. What is this? Who is this character that I'm having to do the work by myself? And if I don't have the actor training, how do I do the work? If I don't know what the hell I'm doing, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It is very important as an actor to train. It is very important to have an acting coach. I have an acting coach and I'm not going to lie to you, it was the best thing ever because for years I didn't have an acting coach. For years I was going for acting classes. Then I stopped, obviously, the pandemic. Then I started again during the pandemic. I started doing acting classes. For me, I think I've been to a couple of schools to learn. Like I said, I've been to America. I've done City Lit. I've done 
um, Central School of Speech and Drama. I've done, um, what you would call it, Goldsmith College. So I've been to at least four, and I've also done uh, the Actors Center. I've also done, um, which are the, I mean, private classes. It is very important if you truly want to hone in the craft, because the craft of acting is not just learning lines. If you don't understand script reading, if you don't understand what the actors, there's so much underlining in the language. If you can't break down the English language on itself, it could be written in Yoruba itself, because sometimes there are nuances that the, act, the writer is, is hiding from you. And if you can't understand the psychology, the psychology of understanding people, you are wasting your time. And that's why you watch certain TV shows and it's flat. You're like, yeah. what is this? You go and watch a play and you're left like, mm, that was the most boring bullshit I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But check this. If the actor does his work, the script might be rubbish, but you're like, wow, that script was rubbish, but man, that actor was acting. I felt I was in the know. So how do you find ways to get there and pull people in and make them interested? It is training. So when I people say, I don't need to train, I just want to learn lines, and I'm looking, I'm like, okay, do do you, boo-boo. But me, I paid the price of having private teachers. And unfortunately, what you find with acting itself, everything's expensive. Especially when you get when you get a, a private coach, you're paying between 35. I mean, I know coaches that charge 100 pounds an hour. 100 pounds an hour for them to coach you. I remember I went, yes, yeah, so I've been, but I've not gone that far. But I remember Ivana Chubok, she's the one that trained mm. Halle Berry when she won her Oscar. She also trained, um, who else? She's worked with Brad Pitt. She's worked with a couple a couple of, um, this guy Chandler from, uh, what's his name, Friends. She's worked with a couple of, even uh, Eric LaSalle, or like, like the guy that used to be in um, ER. Yeah. Yeah. So she has a book called The Act of Acting. The, the you know, the mm. actors, is it The Act of Acting or The Actors Work? I remember it's upstairs. And she talks about the 10 steps of acting. There's so many books. There's a guy called Stanislavski, who was a Russian, you know, aristocrat who basically started the whole thing of the Stanislavski method that went to the method acting, the people that broke down. So you find that if you understand what you're trying to do, there's so many nuances and, and schools of thought, then you could help yourself to be, be a better actor. I think it's very important that if you want to be an actor today, train mingle among actors go for acting classes that will help you make your job so much easier i think i've ranted enough <laughs> shifting from law to the arts what was young yutende like like what what were your hopes and dreams and your aspirations oh god um i think my biggest thing was when i was young i i was very insecure okay. i didn't i i was um this young girl who was trying so hard to fit in. If I look, if I remember very well, I was a chubby teenager. I was very, very fat. I think I was like size 18, 20. So I lost weight. I went out to size eight. So I'm looking back at 21. I was 21 years old, lost a lot of weight. I was, I lacked confidence. I was trying to find myself. Mm. Um, so the young Italy was a girl that was trying to find herself, trying to fit in. Trying, I think, unfortunately for me, I let people's insecurities get the best of me. Mm. So today, I'll be honest with you, I'll just say this straight. I don't give a fuck. Sorry. If I'm allowed to swear, I'm not allowed to swear. You can't, you can't beep it outside. That's fine, you can swear. I don't, I don't look for approval. Mm. There was a time I really looked for approval from friends, certain people. And I, 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 I misunderstood the content. This is what I'm saying about acting. When you're a good actor, you can understand people and break them down. I'm not saying I'm the best. I'm, I think I'm getting there. I'm, I'm, I know that what I'm looking for in my craft, I haven't reached it there yet. 
what I noticed as a young person, looking back on me now, I really was seeking for approval from the wrong people. And what I didn't understand is people will mess you up in trying to control who you are because they themselves are just an insecure. Yeah. So if you're constantly looking for approval in the fact that you want to fit in because you're looking for, you know, you or Anana or anybody else to give me, to tell me I'm okay. Yeah. And that was my problem as a, as a young teenager or young 20 something year old. I was looking for people to tell me I'm okay. At that time, I just needed to tell myself, girlfriend, you are a bad bitch and keep, but I feel as if we were not allowed as Nigerians or Africans to hype ourselves up. We didn't have affirmations in those days. We didn't tell ourselves we were amazing and our parents didn't tell us we were amazing. It's not like now you're standing with your daughter, you say you're beautiful, you're fabulous, yeah. your hair is nice. I'm happy to do that with, because obviously as you see, you see my entourage, you come in and come out in this yeah. house. You know. <laughs> I've got two black daughters and my hair is, is natural. I stopped wearing wigs for this, like the last three months, I just stopped wearing it. I mean, I, I grew my hair out, I cut my hair. They've seen me in my, with my kinky afro. They've seen me the way that I feel as if they should see me. I yeah. want them to be proud of who they are. You know, I'm dealing with insecurities at, at the moment because both of them are dark skin. Um, they're in school, they're being bullied sometimes. One person is, you know, so mommy, they're bullied because my daughter's deaf in one ear. So she worries about being bullied. My other daughter's on the spectrum, but she's high functioning. So she also worries about being bullied. So I find that because of what I've been through, I can impact on them like, girlfriend, don't worry. Enjoy it. This is who you are. Don't worry about anybody else. Look in the mirror and like yourself and love yourself. Once you like yourself and love yourself, she can, anybody can take it. Harvey Smith. And I think yeah. that's the problem I had as a 21 year old. I was, I had a very shy mom and I had, you know, my parents, I grew up, you know, my, my parents were, my, I know I grew up with my mom and, um, you know, she herself, she went through her own traumas with her mom. And I feel as if that the biggest person in the world, if you have a mom who instills in you self-love and they don't, because I remember as a, as, as Nigerians, ah, you, you can't, yes, be, ah, she can't talk too much, talk, 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 talk. That's all they used to tell, say, can't you just shut up? You know, they must you talk. <laughs> They'll say I'm too forward and all these things. But looking on hindsight, the gift of the Bible says your gift will make room for you. If I wasn't a talkative person, you asked me to come on to this show. You know what I mean? Excuse me. If I cannot hold a conversation, you like, this woman is born a beg. Please, next. <laughs> Can we get you know? But when I realized that the power I have with these lips, I've made more money as a Nigerian Yoruba speaker that can talk and everything that I've, you know, this is what I am. So I find that 21 year old Yetunde was insecure, looked for approval. 47 year old Yetunde is not looking for your approval. You like me, don't like me, that is a business. Yeah. I'm not a narcissist. I do listen to friends when they say, Yetunde, you know what, you didn't call me, you say you are calling me, I'm so sorry. Me too, I'm going through trauma, I'm going through, you know, I'm very quick to apologize if somebody calls me out of my bullshit. I will, you know what, please don't, don't be angry. I'm learning, we're all learning. But then you find that even when you apologize to somebody, there's that, the apology is still not enough. Like, I said, I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, but I believe that your, the self-love is something I lacked when I was a child. I lacked self-love and I probably ended up having relationships, one or even friends. But I shouldn't have had friends with. Mm. So this is my thing now. If you have an issue with me and you don't feel as if I'm your cup of tea, it's okay. The next person would like me. 
compared to when I was younger, I was so desperate for this friends, like for them to, to approve of me. Yeah. Then I realized that it's the person that you're chasing for approval, are they even approved of themselves? Exactly. They got themselves together. Exactly. You don't get it. Why are we here? I remember there's been a few people who have broken my heart as friends, deeply broken my heart. That when we were younger, I was chasing after them as friends. Right now, I'm not bothered. I'm so sorry. I've come to the place of, you know, I'm cool. I'm okay. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm not perfect. I have my flaws. I'm a working in pro. I say working in. I'm a work in progress. I believe in, it's important to for people when when people tell you about yourself. Obviously, like I said, they call you out on your bullshit. Listen, I think it's yeah. very important. Then there are times that you also have to waver, like. Are they really calling me out of my bullshit or are they just bullshitting me as well? Because you have to realize sometimes that some people will want to make okay. you smaller because they need that. How can I explain it? They need to feel good about themselves. Yeah, They're yeah. looking for faults and you flaws in you or faults. Yeah. Yeah. But if you are well enough aware of who you are, like, ah, okay, you know what? Me too, I messed up here. Okay. Then it's good. And I think that's where I am in, in, in my almost 50. I'm very aware of myself. I'm very aware of Love when that. I mess up. I'm very aware. Even, I, even if I'm not aware and somebody calls me out, I go back and I sit and like, you know what, Yutende, you did mess up here. This, you, you know, so I can call myself. Compared to when I was younger, I couldn't do that. Oh. I tried. I was seeking for approval. It was terrible. Um, well, we're glad where you're at now. And as we as as you're, as we've talked about your um, acting career and the, the the many roles that you've had, you are probably most popularly known for playing Gladys Adibanjo in, <laughs> in Meet the Adibanjos. What was that? If you could nutshell what that experience was like, and why do you think the show made such an impact? I think one thing it made an impact was seeing black black love, Bayo and Wally Gladys and me and Wally. We really loved each other's friends. We had such a great relationship. Everybody thought we were husband and wife. Like every thought, people, people in Nigeria used to ask him, oh, where's Gladys? Where's, and she's, she's actually my friend. We're not married. One thing I liked about that show, although we also had our own traumatic experiences, that's another story behind the scenes, but I'm not going to expose anybody. I'll just cover it with the blood of Jesus. <laughs> um, One thing I loved about Mithya Adebanj was it just, it was the first time I had my own role i think it's probably one of the first and only times i've played a married woman every other role i've only played single mothers i, wow. I with meet the adibanjos i had a husband i had children had a job there was a lot of calamity going on it was fun we had sadness we had happiness we had a family that you saw and you saw a black african family which was something that was never seen before i remember they had the crouches or the couches or whatever they called them oh, the crouch, they yeah that probably I remember the Des Desmonds, and the thing about Mithya the Banjos was the fact they were Nigerian and they loved each other. They had fun, there was chaos, there was a lot of stupid things that happened, and it was just realness. I think that's one of the one. And the thing now, what I find is a lot of kids, I've seen the show, I get people stopping me in Primark when I'm going, or even when I'm shopping with my kids or in the shop, they're looking at me like, ah, auntie. And I'm like, ah, are you Mrs. Adebanjo? I'm like, yes. I'm like, oh, you look so different. Ah. I'm like, yes, it is. Ah. Why did they make you look so old on TV? I said, mm, I don't know. But to be fair, me, Daddy Banjos was also special because I was actually pregnant with my first child while I was doing me, Daddy Banjos, the first season. And I didn't even realize until after that I was pregnant. We filmed for like a month or six weeks. And then I found that I was actually six weeks pregnant upon finishing. But I loved the show. It started me off in my TV career. 
I will forever be grateful for to Debbie and Andrew for writing a lovely story, um, for the opportunity and for just showing love in a beautiful place. It's very rare you see black people, black shows where they celebrate us as a people, as a person. You know, a couple just doing their own thing, getting on each other's nerves. You know, Pastor Michael coming in, and we have those pastors. We've talked about them this evening. Those fake pastors that come <laughs> looking for kula of rice and and do an assorted meat and everything else. But I loved, I loved the show. I know it would forever be a, a place, very special place in my heart. Yeah. Of all the theatre and TV and film projects you've been on, what has taught you the most about yourself, like your skill and your abilities? Um. That I am tenacious in the sense that I don't take no for an answer. Irrespective of the journey, I started this 16 years ago. I've still stuck to it. Mm. I think that's probably what's told me that I'm in the longevity for me has been, I think with, with TV, I've done plays, I've done rehearsed readings. I've done a lot of work, my God. Some of the works I have not even put on my spotlight and stuff like, because you're like, mm. But I think what it is, is just constant, constantly learning, constantly being able to say to myself, yesterday, you know what you, like I said before, call, I call myself out of my own bullshit, number one, because sometimes I, I can be lazy, but being, sticking to it, sticking, sticking to my guns. I've, you know, I've been told so many no's, but I've never taken no. I keep going. Um, I'm not where I want to be at the moment, I'm not gonna lie to you. I have friends who are Oscar winners, Tony Award winners. I have friends who are SAG winners. I have friends who are A-list stars. You know, it hasn't changed me or taken away from who I am. But it's like, okay, me too. How would I like to? I don't mind to be A-list star or whatever. But you know, these are things that you are starting. But for me, like I said, my craft is what I'm looking to get better at. I want to be a good actor. One of the grace. I'm not there. Yeah, the money and the fame is amazing, but I also want people to ah, isn't it a new film? Oh my god, you know she's a bad actor. Let's go and watch it. That's what I'm looking for people to come, come and see my work and know like, wow, you're gonna be wild or I'm gonna do something. So that's what I'm hoping to learn. Did you want to ask me something? Yeah, because I wanna, I kind of wanna push in. Did I ask the last question? Was it, was it you? Is it me? You're you're the next one. I want to kind of squash this into one because you mentioned you played a single madam multiple times until Meet the Other Banjos. You've played nurses, and then you've also now said that there are peers who have gone further. How? And you've talked about, I guess, your tenacity and your ability to persevere even when you've got all the no's. But in this space, and the, in the arts industry is so brutal, and to black women, so brutal, and the older you get, it's more brutality. How do you protect yourself and self care for yourself? And what is this? Is, is there a shift? Because we're seeing people like Viola Davis to be extreme, get those multiple layered roles. In the UK, I do think the UK racism and oppression of black women and black women actors is more problematic. Oh, 100%. So just, I don't know if we can squash it together. It's your self-care maintaining, but also is there shift or, I mean, why should you stay in this job? Go back to being a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, for me personally, one of the things I do self-care, you know, is I love dressing up. I love putting makeup on. I love spending time with my kids. If I get the chance to go on holiday, we do. Sometimes I just come off social media. I mean, a few months ago, I was suffering from severe depression. I was so unhappy. And 
I just came off social media for like two months. I was still watching, but I didn't post anything. I just couldn't be bothered. I'm like, give mm, a post. What am I posting? I don't know in the mood to post anything. Just recently, I started posting again. But I was so depressed. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, why are you depressed here today? And I have to actually sit down and basically talk to myself. I said, Yesterday, where are you now? You are not where you were last year. You're not where you were two years ago. You are your own competition. Looking at another person's life, Yorubas will say, as fingers are not equal. There's another Yoruba saying, they say, don't look at another person's clock to match your time. Yeah. And I think that's what I do. I realize that, you know what? I even said that to me to myself. I said, you know what? Even if it's 50, I get there. We'll get there when we're 50. Yeah. Even if it's 60, we'll get there when we're 60. Colonel Sanders, the guy that does KFC, he did not become a millionaire until he was in his 60s. Self-care for me now is just, yesterday, you know what? You were not where you are last year. You are somewhere else this year. And next year, you'll be somewhere else. That is how I self-care. I think there are times, I'm not going to lie, I look at other people. When I get the script, I'm like, ah, is this the same? Do you wrote this? Is this, this? How am I going to abracadabra this thing? Because that's sometimes I feel as if they just send you the script and they don't send you the whole script and they're lazy in the writing and they expect you as the actor to abracadabra. They send you a line, okay, this is the person. Then you basically have to bring out your toolbox and that's okay. You know what? She's five foot seven. She does this. She does this. She does her best color. What you know? What fragrance does she wear? You know what does she do? How much food does she like to eat? Does she like you know this and this? Does she have a boyfriend? What's her backstory? So that's how you now abracadabra it, as I say. But self care for me is constantly realizing that my yesterday is was different, and today is different, and to constantly tell myself that my faith means that. You know, I should ask and I will receive. Yeah. And knowing that, you know, whatever God has said, you know, he's not, he's, this might just be a meantime situation. The Bible says that the stone that was rejected by the bricklayer becomes a cornerstone. And respective of what I'm thinking at the moment, there'll be a time that I'll be where I want to be. Mm -hmm. So that's my self-care, knowing that it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It can, it will always get better. Does that make sense? I'm Absolutely. constantly believing that my faith is like, ah, no. This one, you okay, we have done 15 auditions in two weeks. It's okay. Let them keep bringing it because there are times I get some, I'm like, oh, bloody hell, what the hell? Why am I, how many auditions more can I do? I'm tired. But then there are times I have to encourage myself because I've got two mouths to feed. Yeah. I've got two children who are looking to me for comfort, for love, for affection, for finance. This one wants violin lessons. This one wants all the things that I did not have when I was a child, though. They want to be yeah. like, ah. Should I go and say myself? I mean, you know what? <laughs> Try our best, you know. So that's that's what self care for me. Self care Thank is you. telling myself, yesterday is gonna get better. Last year, you know, was different. Last year I was living in one bedroom. This yeah. year we're in a bigger house. Last exactly. year I did. You don't know me. I last year on Christmas Day and 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 I had a show on Christmas Day. I never had a show on Christmas Day. Last year, I also had, within two weeks, I had, you don't know me, came out on the 10th or was it of, of December, or was it the 16th? And on Christmas Day, I had the Larkins. Within two weeks, I had two shows. I've never had that before. So last year was amazing. I believe this year is still going to be amazing. The year after that and the year after that. And that, for me, is self-care, knowing that it's always going to be better. Have I made sense? I, hope I you love know. it. No, you did. You did. Perfectly. And then that just leads perfectly on to our final question of this round what is the end goal for you like what will 
you know, when it's all said and done, what's going to make you feel like, okay, I, I, I did my thing here? I think my end goal is when I'm able to sit in a director's chair and direct and write and produce. Oh, amazing. Then I don't, that is not, so that I'm not the one in the front of the camera, but I'm sitting yeah. behind and teaching other people and asking other people an action. And that's my end goal. And I feel as if it's going to come soon because my youngest daughter, she's nine years old, but she's, that one's like an old, old soul. She yeah. reminds me of my grandma. She says to me, "Mommy, why are you auditioning? Even to this, mommy, let's let's let, let me. If you write a film, I can direct it for you, mommy. If wow. you write something, let's do it." And I'm like, ah. and then I realized that God will speak to you even to the small children. Exactly. While I'm here auditioning for Tom Pig and Harriet's, I've, I, I, you know, there's so many things I could write about. I think I've got enough life experience to write about a bad marriage, shitty friends, play dates I've gone bad, auditions I've gone to the left plays are like oh my goodness i shouldn't have done this play um <laughs> costume gone wrong <laughs> trying on 30 weeks on on set for a tv show I, I would not mention you know so many things so i think that my end goal is i want to be a director i want to be a producer i want to produce my own films i want to write and direct you know acting yeah i would like to keep doing it until, you know so the cows come home but directing i would love to direct i think that's my next step you're um, what you outlined, I was like, I want to get in on that. Let's write it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a comedy. That's because they, they, they ignore us, the mature woman, and our lifestyle. So a comedy with that, all the things you just said. We can't I, I've it. already started writing it. I, I've had it in my Good. head for a while about a couple of women in London and stuff like that. Yes. Because I just the, the roles I'm getting, because the kind of friends I have, I'm like, ah. Man, if I wrote a play about this girl, I have one friend called Lisa. She's in South London. If you see her mansion, she's a lawyer. I have another friend as an artist. She's selling painting for two thousand pounds. I have another friend as a surgeon. I have another friend as a jet setter. I have another friend as a pilot. I'm like, why am I not seeing this on TV? Today? Why am I seeing? Exactly. So it just when they send me the screen, like you people don't have any friends. <laughs> inspiration from you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's the truth, isn't it? It really is. Like, the depiction of Black women in most things is so myopic and one-dimensional. 100%. And think of the, the range that your friends span, and it's just like, we're actually in almost every orifice of this world, you're going to find a Black person there. But we're not seen there. No, it's 100%. Like I, have... Mm -hmm. I have a friend, one of my friends, the amount of houses she has in this London, when she told me, she has a house in Iris. If you see her house, she has one of those houses where they have sunken down, say, what's it called? Basement. Down, no, stains your head. They have a big, they have a swimming pool in their basement. There's two oh, houses, wow. a swimming pool in their basement. There's another <laughs> friend. She has a swimming pool, pool in their in their outhouse. But the swimming pool is not one of those. It's one of those swimming pool that is it's down, down, down. I don't even know. When I went, I was like, this is another life. And she's black. Her husband is black. Her children are black. She has. She has a subway. She has when she counts. She, she, she's so humble. She doesn't want to, you know. She doesn't say anything. I'm like, yeah, yeah. why hasn't somebody written a story about you? Mm. That she said uh, yesterday. If you see what my factory is happening, these people are upsetting me. She was talking about her factory in Turkey. Uh, you know, because she sells clothes in Nigeria. You see the nonsense they are doing. I say factory. I said yes. You didn't call. I said ah. they haven't written a story about you. Then what? You know, I want people to see black women as inspirational. Yeah. You know what I mean? But anyway, that's my own two <laughs> we will get there. We will support you. So this exactly. is the, we're going to get into the quick fire round. This is where we get a bit more lighthearted. This is imagine you're at the party. You you would be doing this, but we're going to do it to you. You are surrounded <laughs> by the aunties. We have cornered you, and we hey. say, hey, hey, you're Tunde. 
what's going on in your life so we're coming to get into your deep business please My business you mentioned um bad marriage i don't want to get into anything too sad however what's your relationship are you single are you married do you have a man are you sleeping somewhere i am not sleeping anywhere i'm okay. very very single i you know oh god you want to start this one no, <laughs> no, no. i was married <laughs> i was married you know i'm no longer married um i have two beautiful children i was seeing someone last year but that was another story but i'm not i'm single yeah. i mean i would like i think at this age i would like to meet a guy who's in his 50s when if he, you know at least in his 50s 40s late 40s 50s not in his 60s because when they end in 60s all their bits are not working sorry i'm honest with you <laughs> The bits are not working, love. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see that's your business. You know, so I'm single. Um, oh my God. I would like to meet somebody, get married. But for me, I've decided it needs to be at least late 40s, early 50s. Anything over 50 and 55. Ah, mm. Like I said, their bits don't work after that at that age. Don't ask me how I know, but I know. Anyway. <laughs> um, preferably a man that has daughters not sons okay. sorry you know i feel as if a man that has daughters will understand my my mindset on how i want to protect my girls okay. how i want to impact on them how i want to they're women they need more love they need more not to say boys don't please don't come for me unless i send for you but this is my preference edge please don't be angry um i'm not dating at the moment because right now all i care about is show me the money honey you know <laughs> this is, i can't i just <laughs> You know, I'm, you know, I just, that, that thing of like, I'm just looking for financial security for myself as a woman. I feel as if it's very important for you to have your own money. But on the other hand, sometimes I think, God, God, just send me one billionaire. The only problem with all these billionaires is they always have poor belly. And I like a man with six pack. <laughs> I, six pack. I don't want to see stomach. Because I already have a bit of a belly from childbirth, one tiny belly here. So if a man has a six pack and it's you can see the six pack when he's doing the thing. You're like, oh baby, check me out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you're like, if I but the problem with all these billionaires is everybody else wants them and they don't have, they're not fit. So yeah. Problem with billionaires. This, this, this is it. This is it. I'm single in you know, but anyway, that's another story. Any more questions? <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. All right. So um what type of auntie are you? Oh, the fun <laughs> auntie. You're the fun, really. The I'm fun the fun one. auntie, but I'm also the auntie that will tell you tell you about yourself because one of the child's tried it the other day. So we went to where did we go? We went swimming, and one of my daughter's friends said, "Calling me yesterday," and I looked at this girl like, ah, I have to tell oh, her, wow. "Don't call me yesterday. Call me Etienne's mom." Okay, thank you. Okay. And I had to tell one of her friends. I said, "Don't you know?" She said, "Yesterday, yesterday, yesterday." I looked at the boy. I'm like, ah. I remember this was even a situation that happened a couple of weeks ago. So the mom was, she's West Indian. So the boy called me Yatunde. So I think I said it to the mom or he was there when he said, she said, ah, no, 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 he shouldn't have called you Yatunde or his auntie. And you could tell that the mom felt, she, the boy was, felt some kind of way. This boy's like maybe eight. And then the mom, she even used to abuse me a few weeks, like two, three weeks ago that me, I I, I complained that my, my, my son, her son called me Yatunde. And I'm like... And this thing hurt me because this is something my children don't call you by your name. You're West Indian. I would never let them. I would, you know, yes, we are in England, but we have to respect. I'm sorry, that's how I am. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so there. But I'm I'm one of those aunties. I'm fun. 
I will, you know, love you and, you know, be the one that you can come to if you have issues with your parents and I go and talk to them. But if you cross the line, I will tell you straight, say, oh, listen, no, there's rescates. We need rescates. <laughs> yeah, that is true. No, I'm seven year old calling me, hi, you turn there, hi, you turn there. And I'm like, is Nene's mom, please? Or Etienne's mom? But don't call me by my name straight. I've told you, ma. That's how I am. Yeah. Like, that's it. I, I, I felt some kind of way. And then the other parent who looked at me, she's also Nigerian. She's like, say, dear to me, say, her name is Mabel. I feel some kind of way. This kid's calling me, man. I think you better tell him straight, okay? It's Didi's mom. So call me Didi's mom. Please don't call me by my name. Because when we were young, when we went to people's houses, hello, Mrs. Somebody. Hello, Mrs. Yeah. Somebody. We don't call them, hello, Pauline. Hello, Angela. Hello, Angela. I'm like, ah, this uh, level of, mm -mm, no, that's my own thing anyway. That's my talk of I feel you on that. I feel you. Okay. Uh, uh, please, Atunde, can you tell us um, something you haven't told your mom or your dad hey look back on this instagram on Beyonce's instagram uh, no, I can you tell us a secret please secret i don't have secrets secret. tell us something we need no, something juicy eh? what did you say we need something juicy a juicy secret okay i don't even know let me see Is it, because my kids are going to probably one day watch this show i don't want them but i need to have something <laughs> Give me an idea what kind of juicy secret you want. What, what type of a juicy secret? Um, I don't know, something that will embarrass you small. Okay, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I think, okay, the only thing I could probably think of, I once lied to my mom that I was going to a party. I went to a <laughs> Oh, that's just a small secret. What did you do? I said, I once told my mom. I went out to party. I actually ever watches this thing. I'm screwed. I went to an event, yeah. <laughs> and ended up hooking up with a guy that I know. <laughs> that is still something that you could get in trouble with today. I feel like I will, I'll call Auntie and tell her. <laughs> yeah, please don't call. And that's, I think, yeah, that's for me. So I told her, yeah, yeah, I went out with friends. We were, we were hanging around for where I went to one Bobo's house. Was an outing even worth it? Yeah, the outing was good. So we went out, and then obviously, we all, like, everybody was, yeah. So I ended up, like, going to this guy's house that I knew, you know, for fun and frolics. <laughs> I was supposed to be a good Christian girl, and Jesus is Lord. <laughs> we, we, see the, we, see the, we see the naughty. We see the naughty. Yeah. Okay. And then... <laughs> um, okay, yes, all right. So, so tell us something that we can be proud of as well. Like, tell us a good thing that you've done or an achievement. I think my achievement that is the best thing I've ever had is my children. Oh. My children are my, my best achievement. I was in a relationship for nine years and I broke up with this guy. Eight, nine years. I met their dad. And within a year, within a year, I was pregnant. I thought like I was barren. I actually thought I couldn't have kids. I, yeah. I actually thought I couldn't have children. Yeah. So we had the first one within three months, three and a half months. I had, I got pregnant again. Wow. So I had two children in 13 months. My, th those are my greatest achievements. My life is a testimony. I always tell people that. And it's so funny that I did a photo shoot for Getty in 2013. My daughter's photo, my photo has been used for fertility treatments and all these things. And people wouldn't realize that here I was, I thought I couldn't have children. My second baby was a miracle. Her name is Etienne Otoabasi, which means precious gifts from God. 
I literally, if I'm very, very honest, I think we we did the deed twice. <laughs> and one with with a protection, one without protection. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't need to. I'm, why should I go and take money? I'm talking no, Please, I beg. We, 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 are we, we had issues with the first one. Obviously, the first one too was also, um, whatchamacallit. God, I'm exposing myself on Instagram, but it's I'll be on YouTube. Um, so my children are my, my greatest achievement for me. Not to say I haven't won any awards for me, Daddy Banjos or the other shows I've done, but my babies. That's that's been, a good one. Yeah. Okay. Have you got like a family saying um that you heard growing up that you either hold dear or that you absolutely reject? Like I will never impact this nonsense belief on my children. Yes, my my mom, okay. my mom always says this. Was her auntie that used to say to her, I'm gonna say it in Yoruba and I'm gonna explain it in English. Certificate, that means the certificate that does not eat echo one day, one day will eat eba. That you might be thinking to yourself, you've not achieved anything in your life, you're eating echo or you don't have echo, but one day, one day you eat eba. So, what you're saying to yourself is, irrespective of the struggles in life, you might think, ah. I have not made it. I've not made it. Don't worry. When the time is right, the eba you eat is plenty. Certificate. means the certificate that you have that you not use to eat eko. One day, don't worry. That's eko the eba, the bonus stew. Basically, telling you that the time is gonna come. You may not be able to afford Gucci bag today, but tomorrow. Prada bag will come. So. All, all of the bags. Yes. So I love that. that. And for me, it's something that I hold down dear to. Um, my mom came mm. back to this country, you know, with one suitcase. My my, you know, my mom's my mom, I feel as if is she is such an inspiration to me. You know, she came from a very wealthy family. Unfortunately, things didn't work out for her when her dad died. So came back here when her marriage fell apart with my father with one suitcase. And she worked hard, so many jobs. Did you name the job? My mother did it. She was able to buy two houses in London. She bought stuff in Nigeria. And I look at her now, I'm like, with one suitcase, you came back to this country and now look what you've done with yourself. I'm an actor. My brother's a pilot. He works for Turkish Airlines. And I remember my mom sat on that boy's head. She said, ah, you must talk, you must become something because it is very easy for black boys to fall on the wayside. Mm. And my mom was not going to have it. She said, ah, no, no, not on my watch. She sat on my brother's neck. And I'm so I'm super proud of my brother. If you see him in his pilot suit, damn. Oh. Mm. <laughs> he fire. He fine. You know, I went, obviously, he lives in Turkey. So there was one day, I, I just wait. Obviously, I was waiting outside for him to come. He took, came out of the taxi. So the taxi had to stop around the corner. Well, there's another day. Let me tell you the story. So one day I went, I went to see him a couple of years ago. So we came out of the, the house to go get the taxi. As we were walking the streets, you could hear a pin drop because he's tall. He's about six foot. He's black. He was wearing the bones. He had everything on, the whole regalia, the hats. You know, they have to like do everything up. And I looked at the boy. I'm like, ah, wow. It was just surreal. Obviously, he's, you're in Turkey. How many black people you see in Turkey? And yeah. you now see him wearing full regalia and in Turkish Airlines, and that's my mom. My mom made that. My mom made that possible. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. Last but not so least, do you have a problem that you want us to solve? Yeah. Not uh, do you need advice? 
I probably do. I'm just trying to think. I did think about a couple of things, but it was one of the, you know, it was one of those things of, you know, have my biggest issue, right? One of the things I'm dealing with at the moment is my daughters and friends. My oldest daughter, she didn't really make any friends in school in the last seven years. And it hurts that, you know, she's had to go through that. But then on the other side, I always try and impact on her. And listen, it's not everybody that will be that will be your friend, you know. And oh, obviously, he's, he's, uh, she's 10, in, in 11 in August. Okay. And she's just been misunderstood because she's on the spectrum. I know most children who are on the spectrum, um, you find that she's highly intelligent. Unless you know she's on, unless you are with, working with children who are on the spectrum, you would never know. Yeah. So, but I'm dealing with my, my biggest issue now is dealing with two girls who are struggling with making friends or, you know, having good friendships. And I keep saying mm -hmm. to them, some of these children in the school, they themselves are struggling. They go into their own insecurities. And if you let somebody else's insecurity mm -hmm. deal with you. So that's that's my dilemma as a mom, as a mom, is where how do you impact on them, but not take away from their confidence or not impose your own confidence. You know what I mean? Like trying yeah. to help them to navigate their own their own thing. I mean, you've got a 22-year-old, so you probably understand what I'm going to. Because my daughter now, she's getting to that place of teenager. She, all she wants to do is borrow my lip gloss, wear expensive perfume. <laughs> Have to hide one of my bottles of perfume. She's like, <laughs> how do I navigate this preteen? Because I can see what Hala coming. But I mean... <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I, I don't have the answer because I think my daughter went through similar struggles trying to get people to understand who she was. She's not on the spectrum, but she just had her own way of doing things and her own way of living and seeing the world. Um, and she was singled out a lot for her audit for her for what they perceived an oddity, but she was she just her own character. And mm -hmm. I've always encouraged. But what, one thing I did to, which I think has put her in good stead for her later years, is that I was that your uniqueness is your strength yeah. and they don't understand at this point that's there that's on them they don't understand who you are and your power and you know you have i try to reference some of the celebrities that said they were bullied when they're young but you see people that are of prominent note they were seen as anomalies they were seen as different even me i was awkward and i was always with the popular gang but i might have been the awkward one within the popular group i never yeah. saw friends but i was always a little bit off key to my friends kind of thing but i'm in a position all my kind of little madnesses, they've contributed to who I am today. That's why exactly. I was with my daughter. So it's really, it's so difficult because you can't, on a day-to-day -day going to school and you haven't got someone to talk to, there's times when I'm, I'm like, I used to, I remember my, my daughter used to say, I was like, oh, how was your day? Because I always play by myself in the playground and yeah. that used to break my heart. Ah, was, do you know how many times I've cried? <laughs> Literally. It, 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 it hurts. Like, it it's, hurts. Uh, you're, like you're there with them going through it. it it's so painful. One, like mm -hmm. to hear that. And I remember I did that and I took her out of that school because they, anyway, this is long, not my story, but I took her out of school and put her in another school thinking that would be better, but putting her in the next school and having to make friends at like in year two or year three when the friendship groups are in fourth, it was a disaster for her because she actually couldn't train because people were always different. But it's just reinstalling their self-confidence and turning their their differences into superpowers, essentially. Making them feel like they're, it's their superpowers, it's their strength and their confidence. That's all you can do because you cannot, I, I think, you can't, other people's kids will damage your child, but it's what you can put in them at home. And it might not work. They could be bullied. They can be beat. Like my daughter got beaten up. 
she got bullied. But today, who she is today, you can't move her, you can't shake her. She's so strong-willed and so strong-minded. Not to say it's not been easy, she doesn't have her, you know, you know, school could be those real traumative years and it, has not, it hasn't caused her trauma, but her strength, because I instilled in her that your differences are, 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 are your, is your power. That's what, I don't know, that's my thing. Yeah, like similar, similar. Um, and I have boys, but any issues that they have is always with girls. And I'm always saying to them, it's, it's hard. Like I remember being in school and definitely in primary school, I, I went through it a lot more in primary school, just not really fitting in, getting sent to Coventry. I don't even know if they call it that anymore. When like the set of girls don't talk to you, like that was commonplace. I could go weeks and nobody would really speak to me. But the thing that always stuck with me was my sister continuously saying like, this is such a small part of your life. Think about how old mum is and you're going to be in school for a set amount of years and then you're going to get past this. And because you've got past it, you're going to be so strong. And she would always say that. She was like, it hurts now, but it's just a year. And then you've got 50 years and you're going to be like, I'm so strong because I was yeah. able to just ignore these girls. And that mm -hmm. used to sit with me when I'd be there and you know, like tears are right there. Like you're gonna cry. Like nobody's spoken to me all week, and I just think this is just a small part of my life. And if I manage to get through this, I'm gonna be the strongest person. Mm -hmm. And I would just run with that. But it's family as well. I have a lot of cousins, so school always was a little part of life because I'd be like in my family, everybody sees me as amazing all the time. It's like you're just so great. So I could just be like, this is six hours. Away. I had a weekend with my family and that was really important was just mm -hmm. moving like it wasn't the biggest thing in my life I had yeah. my cousins. I had my friends on my estate mm -hmm. so it was all and, and every summer we used to all the festivals so I actually wasn't even around I would mm -hmm. be traveling with my mum and sister so it was like my life was in such parts it was like oh, this is a small part I can deal with this I cried a lot but it was like it's, it's small and I would always have that. This is small. This is a small part of my of my story. And I would put it in chapters. This is just chapter. This is chapter primary school. And I've got work, the life and getting married and all of that. I would just play it off. And mm -hmm. yeah, that was my sister that would do that. She would this really is, this is this is really story. good because um this is exactly what I'm actually doing with the girls at the moment. I keep yeah. telling them that I promise you this. This is just a tiny, because I also went through that awkwardness when I was in secondary school or primary school. I didn't have that many friends. Even now as an adult, I remember, like I said to somebody, I had a, I had my babies back to back and one of my friends or two of my cousins, till today they've never seen my children. They make one stupid excuse. I, I remember recently I reached and said, what exactly did I do? You just stopped speaking to me. Oh, I don't really know. We were so close so so close till today she's never seen my kids my daughter's going to be 11 and, and 10 but i keep saying to nene and i'm really happy that you mentioned i said it, i said to nene on the team i said this i promise you this this is just a small part of your life if they don't talk to you now i promise you they'll be the ones looking for you just hold it together i appreciate you're hurting you're angry or why did, am i not making friends mommy don't worry about that you are special you're amazing he, you know the right person will come and want to be your friend yeah, that's what I keep saying to my children. But That's I'm so happy that you've both, you know, reiterated that. So that means that ah, 
I'm in the right, you know, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. You're doing a good job, mommy. You're doing a good job. Thank you. 